Welcome to Where Next, the unfiltered podcast with me, Emma Setterfield-Smith. We talk about everything from hostels to hotels, travel fines to travel failures, in the hope to show you just how easy travelling can be and prep you for your first adventure. Each week, guests and I discuss a different place with new people, new experiences and new memories. It's a casual conversation to get involved in, because even though we can't get travelling right now, it doesn't mean we can't be making plans. So sit up, aspiring travellers, and let's get planning. Where next? This week, I am taking you to Australia. With around nine and a half million tourists visiting each year, I knew that Australia had to make the cut of places that I wanted on this podcast. Australia is a destination with beautiful sunshine and high temperatures of 50 degrees, 300,000 different species of animals, and once again, a list of exciting trips that you will find nowhere else, such as the Daintree Rainforest and the Great Barrier Reef. My guest this week is my sister, Amy Setterfield-Smith, who travelled and lived in Australia for two and a half years. Although she originally went out with a friend, she ended up meeting new people out there and even did some solo travel. Once again, she had so many travel tips to share with all of us and even tips on how to keep calm while traveling in a world pandemic. So Amy, it's so great to have you on the show. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. you? I'm good. Thank you. So just to kick us off then, what would you say it is that actually inspired you to go traveling in the first place? Um, In all honesty, it was my sister, our sister, um, who inspired me. And it was was social media when she just put it all up on Instagram. I just think, wow, I want to do that. It was never really something I took upon myself to actually think, I know I want to do that after uni. It was definitely seeing pictures and knowing what was out there from my sister doing it which then inspired me i mean the great thing about australia is just how different each experience can be due to the country being so vast obviously um it has eight states which are all known for different characteristics for example queensland is renowned for its beaches new south wales for its busy cities and then you obviously have western australia where you can see ancient aboriginal sites such as uluru so how exactly did you go about planning a trip like this we went with the travel company sta And they helped us a lot, really. They got our um, flights and then we also got involved with one of the groups. um, It was called G Adventures. And then from Asia, we took it upon ourselves to then just go from place to place um, using our own initiative and using different hostel world apps that we'd found or even spoken to people and they'd recommended um, when we'd once met them in Asia and stuff and went from there, really. So what happened when you first arrived in Australia? Because this was your first adventure you'd planned. How was it when you landed? It was it was exciting, I think, because we'd already been travelling through Asia for a month. We'd got used to that travel lifestyle, staying in hostels, getting used to perhaps sleeping in a room with four, sometimes even six other people mm. and knowing that actually, well, from my experience, it's as safe as anything. And it's just the best way of meeting people. You've got the classic chat as soon as you walk in, but that's just granted that it's got to happen. 
And then, yeah, like if they're anything like, then it's straight away like what you're doing tonight or what you're doing today, you're going on a high. So you say that you landed in Noosa first then. Noosa was just, I can't even explain it. It's just one of those places that just genuinely makes me so happy. Noosa is a surf town situated on the Queensland Sunshine Coast. You can expect to find small cafes, independent shops and stunning beaches which allow it to become a world famous surfing destination. It has three main beaches, Noosa Main Beach, Alexandria Bay and Sunshine Beach. You can also find explorers at Noosa National Park, canoeing through Noosa River Everglades or watching the sunset from Laguna Lookout. I really did think like there were just certain moments that I just had in Noosa where it, I don't think I could have been any happier. You can go and surf. Like that's where I first tried surfing. We all went out and practiced and then we brought some foamies, which is like your starter boards. And we just used to go out all day and just practice, practice, practice and do sunrise surfs, sunset surfs. And then even with the sunset, you'd then just still stay on the beach, take your packed lunches and you you know, even start some little like campfires. It's just incredible experience and it's just nice to not be in front of a screen really and just being being at one with like nature and just socialising and conversing with your friends, playing funny games and just enjoying the outdoors really. In a way, it, it was almost quite homely as well. Did you have a set travel route? We knew that we wanted to see the fireworks in Sydney for New Year. After living in Noosa, Amy and her friend made their way to Sydney for New Year in the hope of finding a job and earning some money before they carried on their journey. After that, it was like money was getting really short. I think we were living off a bottle of milk and some ham. <laughs> I remember I had like 60 bucks left in my bank account and Shannon literally had about the same and we were like, right. What are we going to do? I just took loads of CVs that I'd already printed out from home so that they were there just ready to, to hand out when I landed in the place I wanted to obviously work. I was able to get a um, job in a cafe called Hoochie Mama. Were there any sites that you went to go and see? So Sydney itself, yeah, like obviously you've got the Sydney Opera House, the Botanical Gardens, which are right next to the Sydney Opera House. So you can do that in, a well, half a day, really. Sydney is often mistaken for Australia's capital city. And even though that title belongs to Canberra, Sydney undeniably has more to offer with a population of nearly five and a half million people. Not only is it a hub for business, it is home to many world famous destinations such as Sydney Harbour Bridge, Bondi Beach, Sydney Opera House, Darling Harbour and more. Climbing Sydney Harbour Bridge is one of the most visited attractions. With the help of 1,400 workers, 53,000 tonnes of steel and 772,000 litres of paint, it's the largest steel arch bridge in the world. It takes around two hours to reach the top, however the reward is a stunning view across Sydney. Amy also visited the Blue Mountains, which are situated in eastern New South Wales. The dramatic scenery gets its name due to a blue haze that is said to cover the region when viewed from a distance. The Three Sisters is the name given to the unusual rock formation that can also be found here. It is said to have been named by Aboriginals after three sisters who apparently lived in the Jameson Valley as members of the Katoomba tribe. 
we went to the Blue Mountains and that's just incredible as well. That's just, it's a very long walk um, or it's up to you really how long you want it to be, but that's that's just great. Um, you just overlook like the Three Sisters and then there's plenty of coastal walks that you can do, like the Bondi to Kuji walk is classic. Everyone does that. From Bondi to another another area of Sydney mm-hmm. called Kuji, Kuji. They're quite lively areas to be going if you're travellers. Mm-hmm. Then we went like, there's a, the ferry across to Manly or like Rose Bay, they're just stunning areas. And once again, there's just loads of different walks that you can do. So obviously you've got the Sydney Harbour Bridge. You can climb that, which is a little bit scary, but it's amazing. You harness to it. Um, and then that just overlooks the whole of beautiful Sydney, which is just a complete must do. Not the best if you don't like heights, but um, it's definitely worth it once you get to the top. It's just incredible. Once we'd stayed in Sydney for around four months, just just to get a little bit more money in, in the bank. And we travelled up the whole East Coast for five weeks. After saving money in Sydney, Amy then travelled up the East Coast with a group of friends in a camper van, making their way towards Byron Bay. Road tripping is becoming more and more popular as a way to visit your favourite places. In Australia, top websites to book your van hire include Motorhome Republic, Drive Now and Spaceships Rentals. I still to this day do not know how some of us are still alive in that van and how we didn't chuck anyone out. So yeah, and then we did like Byron Bay and then we went back to Noosa, which was amazing and we met some friends. So what's Byron Bay like? Because that's obviously a notorious town for being quite hippie. Byron Bay is like, it is a really cool vibe. It's quite good for its music as well. There's a lot of buskers around. There's quite a few like well-known buskers now that have become quite famous. It's a very chill place, quite artsy really. And the weirdest place was a place called Nimbin, which was just the most surreal experience I think I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Why? What happened? It was almost as if no rules existed. There were no set ways in which you should live. I actually was able to drive to Nimbin. Um, you can do tours. However, we had the van with us. It was just extremely strange there'd be outdoor seating areas or like it's almost as if people had taken a room out of a house and just placed it outside there's also a library that you can go to that everybody in australia knows about it and if you ask like a certain book he knows that you'd want cookies and brownies which do have marijuana in and it's almost a place that a lot of people do tend to go just to say that they've done it and um yeah experience what what the others do when they're there um fashion is just there's there's no conformity there at all and yeah i don't i would wouldn't like to really live there um however it was it was good to just go and see quite a lot of people do what you did with the camper van would you recommend that then um yeah definitely i would definitely recommend it but it was a lot because don't forget you've got all your rucksacks and then it's like three sleep downstairs two on this shelf basically where your nose is basically touching the ceiling (laughs) but because it's also quite weather dependent it's always quite sunny you spend a lot of the time out of it anyway so it it, you know it works either way but so how did you actually manage your money when you were out there it's weird really looking back in my first year I'd be lying to say I managed my money I never got to a point where it was silly so you always know that you're saving towards something which helps you manage your money the first time I was aiming towards the east coast so I knew I needed money for that and then like the next step from that That was my farm work. Like thousands of other travellers, Amy had to complete 88 days of rural farm work in order to be granted her second year visa and the ability to stay for another year. The Australian government state that the 88 days has to be in designated regions and completing specific jobs, such as fruit or vegetable picking or working with farm animals. 
Since Amy went travelling, the danger of farm work has however been recognised by both the UK and Australian government. After countless reports of assault and even some fatalities, Boris Johnson announced that Britons under 35 are now able to live and work in Australia for three years without having to complete mandatory farm work. So as I say, it's almost like a cult travelling. You meet so many people and it's word of mouth really where people go, oh, I've been and done my, my farm work there. That's how you become aware of where to go when it comes to farm work. I had met a few people at a hostel when I was living in Sydney who had um, Googled, you know, farm work in Australia and I was able to go, to go with them. It was just one big hostel with about 120 people in there and the like landlady of the hostel was called Shelley and she then sent you off to the farms which were around the area. You weren't aware of what you'd be picking and you weren't aware what your farm was even going to be like. So when I first arrived, I was put on a farm that was um, picking chilies. It was hard work. Um, it was by it was like weight by the bucket, which is one thing that is a big red cross, which I'd tell anybody not to do. You should never do farm work if it's not paid hourly just because it's not worth your time. The first month I was put on a few different farms. One of them was just ridiculous. There's the warning signs there would just be I was put in a field with a boy who I hadn't even really met and we were dropped off at half seven and then finished at half six there was nowhere to fill up your water bottle there was nowhere to go to the toilet and it just wasn't fit for any any person of my age or of any age to be doing such hard labor in extreme heat however I then got landed really lucky with another farm which I was then able to stay at for two months and that was absolutely perfect there was shelter there was a place to have your lunch. It was just a small family-run farm. So after you've completed your 88 days farm work, how does that allow you to get your visas for the next year then? So you can have your first year visa in Australia. I think mine was £450. But then during that first year, you need to do four months of farm work to then apply for your second year visa. I'd probably have done that at the start as well because that's where you really, really meet your friends. Picking melons and <laughs> picking capsicums, picking chilies, you name any vegetable, I've probably picked it. Something which is always topic of conversation when speaking about Australia is its incredible wildlife. Um, it's got beautiful wildlife and it's also got <laughs> the creepy crawlies that everyone dreads. Um, so what was your experience with the animals out there? Obviously, sharks. Um, when the sirens would go off on the beach, you could actually physically see the shark from afar. That was obviously a surreal experience. The creepy crawlies, which, yeah, they, they are about. They're, they're a lot more vacant and around in North Queensland because um, it's very tropical up there. So there was birds, parrots. Um, there was definitely a few snakes in which I saw on the farm. You don't want to get near a brown snake. They're extremely dangerous and deadly. However, there was a, a really big snake um, up in the, at the farm in one of the barns, but the farmer actually enjoyed it being there because he said it would eat the rats, so he kept it there. So that was quite funny, but it was, oh, it was about two metres long. And yeah, and then obviously you see the kangaroos, which are just everywhere. There's a lot of roadkill um, with the kangaroos. And then obviously the koalas. There's a lot of wildlife in which I do actually miss now I'm back in the UK, especially the, the parrots. After Amy had completed her 88 days farm work, she was granted her second year visa and decided to carry on travelling. That was the first time I was on my own, really. I spent 
Christmas down in Melbourne with uh, some of the farm lot. We all went down there. Melbourne, I wasn't really a big fan of. I felt like it was just England. They say you're either a Sydney person or you're a Melbourne person, and I'm definitely Sydney. Like, Melbourne just hasn't got the beaches that Sydney has. It's very home from home. I felt like I could have just been in Manchester or somewhere in Melbourne, and that's mm. not what I went out there for. So after you did your travelling section of the adventure, you actually went and lived in Sydney for eight months, didn't you? Yeah, so um, once I'd done my, my travelling, I obviously, in the back of my head, I was very aware that I've still got, I've just got this fresh new degree in fashion. So that was when I started applying for internships in Sydney, um, which I was really happy that I was able to get. And then I worked for a PR company called Elise Garland's Public Relations. And then I did some work in a place called Barangaroo. That was amazing. So what are the Australian locals like then? Do you think they differ to those of the UK or? It depends, really. It depends what area of Australia you go to. So like you've got Sydney, more open to different cultures, more like cultural aware, obviously a bit more business orientated, but hey, you're in a you're in a city, you're going to be. Whereas further up north, for instance, they're more like live the simple life. It's almost as if they just have their own little world that they live in and they get on with it, their own little bubble, which is quite, it's nice to see really. And then you went to Port Douglas, didn't you? So how was Port Douglas for you then? Port Douglas was one of the most eye-opening places that I've ever really lived in my life. Port Douglas is a town situated in Queensland on the Coral Sea. It is one of the most popular destinations in Australia due to it being so close to the stunning Great Barrier Reef and Daintree National Park. The Great Barrier Reef is the largest coral system in the world. It has over 2,900 individual reefs and 900 islands over a huge 344,400 square kilometres and it's home to 1,500 species of fish. The Daintree Rainforest, however, is also one of the most biologically diverse places in the whole world and measures around 1,200 square kilometres. You can visit both of these stunning places on a tour, all of which can be arranged from your hostel or hotel. Be careful visiting the rainforest, however, if you're not too good with creepy crawlies. it was just completely like flooded with Latin Americans. And yeah, that was just amazing, like seeing their different cultures. There was a lot of people from like Chile, Argentina, Brazil. But I, I think that's so great because in your day-to-day -day life, you don't always get the chance to meet people from different backgrounds, different countries. Even like the language barrier, teaching them slang and then they teach us their slang. <laughs> foods, food's a biggie as well, especially obviously with South Americans, they're really big into their food as well. So they'd always laugh at like what us English lot would make. So obviously you've spoken quite a lot about like the travel aspect of things. So what would you say are some of the best tourist things to do while you're in Australia? Oh, there's just so much you can do in Australia. And what is amazing is the fact it's all just outside. And then there's plenty of waterfalls that you can go to. Um, and then obviously you've got Palm Beach. Palm Beach is great. We did that a few times. Um, that's where Home and Away is filmed. You can go to Surface Paradise. Um, that's more of a city. I'd, I'd say that's more of if you are up for like having a good time and for a bit of a party, I'd recommend Surface Paradise. It wasn't really my scene, but then it was also extremely cool to see these massive skyscrapers just on the beach. Mm. That was quite cool. I'd never seen anything really like that before. And then in Noosa, you've got the Noosa Everglades. I think there's only two Everglades in the world, actually. I think the other's in America. You can, like, hire a canoe and just go through there. That was beautiful. So, obviously, a lot of what you do is set for, like, the modern traveller. Did you 
get to learn about much of the history of Australia or? Yeah, so I think the further north you go, that's where the historic parts of Australia start getting quite drilled into you and you start becoming and noticing things that are from the Aboriginals and stuff. It's quite sad, really. Um, I feel like the Aboriginals have almost been a little forgotten about. Cairns is probably the main area where where the aboriginals are but yeah there's areas that you can go and like there's obviously history museums which you can go there's the mossman gorge that wasn't far from where i lived at all we spent quite a few times there and then there's the daintree rainforest and all around there there's this um place called the blue pools the blue hole pool is a sacred aboriginal site located on the outskirts of cairns it was used as a healing pool and as an aboriginal birthing place this stunning location has now become a World Heritage Site. It's quite hidden, like not many people know about it, but because we'd lived there, obviously the locals had told us, and it's kind of like holy water that the Aboriginals used. And that's all still there, which we were able to go to. After Amy had completed her travels in Australia, she then travelled to New Zealand. Her plan was to spend some time here before returning once again to Australia and try and get a sponsorship. Don't worry, I'll make sure to complete another episode on what exactly New Zealand has to offer. While she was in New Zealand, however, the pandemic hit, which changed those plans, and she was forced to return home. I was interested to hear how this impacted her trip. If you had any advice for young travellers, young women going it alone, what would you say? Um, just ensure that you do always have money in the bank account that can cover you for if anything did end up going wrong. For example, obviously COVID hit. I just landed in New Zealand, started to look for jobs. The day I was due to start my following job, COVID hit and New Zealand went into complete lockdown, which was obviously terrifying. Um, it's something that no one had ever experienced before. I was on the other side of the world and I there was just no way of me getting home at all. Physically, no way of me getting home. I couldn't fly to the North Island because all internal flights had stopped. Went onto Skyscanner and a flight back home before the borders even closed went up to £5,500. Oh, my God. So there was no way of me paying that and it was just a moment of reality of thinking, God, like, I'm actually stuck here now. A few months had gone by... Um, and slowly flights were opening up for obviously UK citizens to head back. But just be prepared for things to happen, you know, and just ensure that you're just safe. That was probably my one downfall of travel. But then I feel like there's always a positive that's come from it because I made once again, I made such amazing friends and I just could not tell anyone enough to just go traveling go and do it go and see the world go and see all the different cultures go and see all of these different places I think about like my traveling days on a daily basis now that I am back in that routine lifestyle back in England it's a great experience and I really really think people should do it I honestly do so it's the part of the show which is my favorite part because I feel like I get highlights of the trip so it is Emma's top 10 travel questions so what was your top highlight of Australia? It sounds like you had so many, but if you had to pick one. Probably one of the most special moments, which I will take with me forever, was I was swimming in the ocean in Noosa with Louise and a friend Nick and just these five huge whales just swam past us. That was just surreal. What was one moment that sticks in mind from this adventure? Honestly, I couldn't even say one. It would be making friends from 
all over the world that I'm still in contact with now. If you had to describe this place in three words, what would they be? It's so positive. It's extremely adventurous and inspiring. It's an inspiring place to live. What makes this place unique to anywhere else? It's nature. It's just beautiful. Like the stuff you see on a daily basis, it's just, it's amazing. What is something that had you gone traveling to this place again, you would do differently? I'd have definitely tried getting a sponsorship, I think. In my second year, I'd have really pushed it more within my within the fashion companies that I was working with and I'd have probably tried to get a job for them. What is something that you wish you knew before you went traveling? That you need an RSA if you want to work in a bar or in hospitality that has alcohol. So an RSA is, it's a test that you need to do and it costs you, I think it's like $100 or $80 and you need that. This is such a biggie for everyone. What are the top five items that you would pack in your travel rucksack? Oh, what would be my five items? Waterproof coat, a bum bag, pair of Birks, Birkenstocks. Absolutely love that. You can slip them on anywhere. A beach towel. And my fifth, probably a portable charger because there is nothing worse than going on an adventure in the day and your charger running out. Do you have one song in particular that reminds you of this place? Roses, Chainsmokers and Riptide by Vance Joy. There's a song for each chapter of my time in Australia, definitely. What is one interesting person that sticks in mind from your travels? One of the most wholesome person I met was Tony, who was at the farm. He was just the most wonderful person I think I've ever I've ever met. I just don't think he had a bad bone in his body. He brought things back all down to basics. He did have learning difficulties. However, he was still up every single morning at six, packing the boxes with all the capsicums in. There was always a smile in the morning, apart from if the possums used to keep him up at night. He wouldn't like that. He'd... Uh, <laughs> always have a little moan about that he'd just bring life back to basics and it just made you realize that you sometimes don't need things to keep yourself entertained such as phones or the tv and he'd he'd be very crafty and he'd come and show us on our lunch break things that he'd been making and things that he'd done and it was almost the innocence of his personality that brought things back to reality and just made you almost slow down a little bit um, where are you hoping to travel next? Where's next on your agenda? Um, probably a bit of Europe, to be honest. Love to do Canada. But yeah, I'd quite like to do some, some parts of Europe. Thank you so much for coming on Where Next today. I've really enjoyed it and you've given us some really useful tips. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. So there you go, Amy's Guide to Completing Australia. There are so many different ways to travel the country and a range of routes that you can take to make the trip your own. However, it's always useful to hear from somebody who has been before. So join me next week as I speak to two guests who interrailed around somewhere a little closer to home, Europe. As always, aspiring travellers, stay safe and see you next time on Where Next. <laughs>